0: We have Brother Anthony with us. Our brother Anthony has been a huge part of this church right here that is planted because he has been a, a huge part in Pastor Joe's life as a mentor, a spiritual father, and um, we, love, we love the Freemans so much and are so thankful for all that they've poured into our pastors so that they can pour into us, Amen. So Brother Anthony is going to be sharing the word with us today. I'm going to go ahead and welcome him up. Would you give him a hand clap as he comes?
1: Praise the Lord. Man, this is like old school uh, S-U-M, eh, Brother? Pastor Joe? Love it. Love it. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Turning your Bibles to Hebrews 11. Get into God's Word today. I'm so uh, thrilled that um, just the journey that watching you guys and the journey that you guys have been on, guys have you you guys have uh, been a part of this chapter we're reading this morning. Amen. I was thinking about the context. We're in Bible school, so we can, you know, we're going to preach. But we're also going to teach and we're going to show the context of this passage out of Hebrews 11. We want to talk about the the fact that we are people of faith. Beginning to end, the Bible is a book of faith and we are called to be people of faith. Amen? Amen? Without faith it's impossible to please God. Whoever comes to God must first believe He is, He exists, and that He rewards those that what? Diligently. Say that word Diligently. Sounds like you have to do something, right? Sounds like there's a little bit involved in that, diligently, diligently. Have you ever been around someone that wasn't diligent? Have you, been, have you worked with somebody that wasn't diligent? You were doing your job diligently, and then the other person was, have you ever been around that person that, how many of you had a job before where like um, the, the person would only start working, like your work coworker would start working when the boss comes around? right? That's not diligence. That's not diligence, right? You're working hard all the time. You're being faithful. You're being diligent. You're doing what you're supposed to do, no matter if someone's looking or someone's not looking. Let me tell you something. You can't, you can't withstand the attack of the enemy or the things that come like that to shake your faith if you just, if you've not been diligent, if you've not been diligent when no one was looking, when no one was seeing, then when the world is looking, trust me, you won't be diligent. And the reason why this church was able to stand like it did and become a hallmark in this community and to be an example and a testimony for Jesus, and we watched, I had my guys watch um, Paint the Wall Black with the one uh, one. Uh, how do you say his last name? Riesco. Riasco. Riasco. And uh, we watched that like last week before we came up here because that is a testimony, folks. Part of your church. Excited. So uh, so excited. I remember when uh, Pastor Lauren was a teenager, praying for her. I don't remember because I would come in and and, and uh, Pastor Joe would bring me in and I'd, I'd preach on a Sunday morning, but I'd always have to make the youth group too. So, like, uh, we'd have the youth group on a Friday night, and then on Saturday, we'd talk to the leadership, and on Sunday morning, we'd preach. He was going to get the full use of us the whole weekend that we were in, and so then we would, so I'm thinking now a lot of the leaders that I'd see now were the youth, were the youth, and, like, uh, it's awesome. It's awesome. Amen. Amen. Ooh, okay. You got to be diligent. Amen. <laughs> In Hebrews 10, let's look at it. We, look, let's look at the context at the end. Because Hebrews 10 starts talking about, he says these words that, look, you know, don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together as the manner of some is. In other words, keep going to church. God's people that are filled with faith go to church. Amen. They attend church. They're not scared to gather together, amen? Glory to God. And then he says in verse 26, he says, if we deliberately, you know, in verse 25, uh, not to give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. He's talking about the the, the day of the Lord. He's talking about the end times. And then look at this, verse 26 of chapter 10. If we deliberately, say that word "deliberately." deliberately. Again, that's a choice. Diligent is a choice. Being deliberately, you know, deliberately doing something, that's a choice too. You know, and I'm going to tell you, I'll explain, but I'll, I'll give you a precursor to it right now. The fact that choice has to do with faith or unbelief. The things we do are, represent our faith. They represent our faith. There's no, there's no bit of faith that you have that doesn't do something. There's no bit of belief that you have that doesn't show itself in your life in some kind of way. You know, it's like the people that, uh, you know, don't step on cracks, you know, or you break your mother's back, you know, yeah. walking down the street. And they say, oh, I'm not stepping on that. Well, you believe that, right? Yeah. Kind of, you know, you're not, oh, I'm not going to step on that crack. <laughs> Henry Thiessen, was a theologian, he wrote uh, Systematic Theology, he says, Men don't act according to what they merely believe, but according to what they really believe. You don't act according to what you merely believe. You act according to what you really believe. The things you believe, those are the things that you will do in your life. That will be the hallmark of your life. The things you believe, if you don't believe it, you will not do it. Some of you are being asked to preach on the streets. If you continue that in your life, it's because you believe it and not being forced to do it. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we receive the knowledge of truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. And then he gives the example of Moses. And then he begins talking about the suffering that they went through. Remember the early days in verse 32, after you have received the light, when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering, sometimes you were publicly exposed to insults and persecution. Pastor Joe, right? At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. Right, Sister Lauren? You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. Confidence in there is is connected to faith. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised for in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay, and, but my righteous ones will live by faith. I had to read this before we get into chapter 11. And my righteous ones will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. And that is the introduction to Hebrews 11. That's the introduction. You can't really understand what Hebrews 11 is unless you go back in chapter 10 and begin understanding what they're dealing with. They're dealing with the persecution. They're dealing with whether or not, like what we've been kind of living in. Everybody can talk about their faith. But let's go back into chapter 10. Hebrews 11. Now... See, that word there is a transitional word right there. It's based upon everything that came before now because of what you've heard of, what I've just told you, based upon what I've just told you, based upon the things I've told you. Now, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. We're not the only ones We're not the only ones that have been asked to live by faith. We're not the only ones that have had to endure things because of our faith. We're not the only ones that God is asking, that God is asking, calling, sending. We're not the only ones. There are many that have gone before us. We call them heroes of faith. We call them that. The Bible calls them believers. The Bible calls them saints. The Bible says that you and I are just like them if we are people who believe. If we are people who walk and live it out. I'm uh, not pastoring anymore. I'm uh, I'm pastoring kind of a small group of intermissionary interns. We've started another ministry. We're uh, working with the National Office of the Assemblies of God now as the Director of Missions Advancement and going around supporting 1,058 urban missionaries, missionaries in the uh, in U.S. missions for the Assemblies of God. A couple of years ago, well, about three years ago now, I think it's about three years ago now when we went up to Wyoming the first time. My wife and I were passing the church and somehow, some way in May, it would always come to that place in our church. We have an urban church. Most of our people are urban inner city. And so, um, you know, we've been missionaries all that time. And um, and some for some reason around May, we, the church would just go through a financial time. And, you know, any money that my wife and I had saved up, because in June is our anniversary, any money we had saved up, you know, to go on a trip. You know, we just kind of like, okay, there it goes, right into the church, you know. And so uh, that happened, and my wife and I were planning an anniversary trip where we are going to go for two or three weeks on the road, and I wanted to go to Yellowstone, and, you know, I had big plans. I wanted to go all the way into Alaska and drive all the way through Canada, you know. So, I mean, I had big plans, and, you know, when you're married, you know, you you just learn that you got to kind of sometimes your plans get, you know, uh, adjusted, you know. Because both people are on that trip, so uh, <coughs> so we um, you know that time came and like and we put our money, you know, like it was like four four thousand dollars we we had saved and you know and and um, we were gonna put you know like we were gonna go on our anniversary trip we put it, you know, the church took it you know so to speak and uh, I'm praying and. Um, and the Lord tells me to go on that trip. He says, I want you to go on that trip by faith. And I'm like, you know, Lord, you know, like uh, we ain't got no money. Like the, Lord, like the Lord didn't know that, you know. And like the uh, Lord said to me, he says, you go on that trip, and I'm going to provide for you when you go just like I've done all your life. So I went to the kitchen table my son, we had a church plant that we planted in, in Knoxville, Tennessee. My, my son, uh, one of my sons, uh, John Mark, my third son, I sent him there and with, uh, with, our, with our leader that had been with us 10, 11 years, and we planted that church uh, in Knoxville. And so he went along with them, and he had a job he was working. Anyway, I get to the kitchen table, I tell my wife, I say, uh, I said, "Honey, I feel like the Lord wants us to go on that trip, and God's going to provide." You know, and like, uh, you know, there's no funds. Yeah, wh- well, we know that, but the Lord wants us to go, and it's like, okay, you know, and um, we were, I was sitting at the table, and my son calls me right then, and he says, hey, dad, I was praying this morning, and God told me to send you $500 for your trip, wow. just like that, so that got us started, Okay. And that's what happened as we went on the trip. All along the way, people, you know, we got $1,500 from a person we never talked to about the trip. You know, God provided all along the way. And then I ended up in, like, Wyoming and met a family, that Joel's family, whose who's, who's grandparents owned the Durham Ranch, an 80,000-acre buffalo ranch up there in, the, in Wyoming. Not you know, Because God told me also I was going to meet someone. On the trip, that would be a part of our life. All that was by faith. All that was trusting God. Now it doesn't make sense to do that when we planted our church. And I stood in front of the building, and they handed me the ticket of two point seven million dollars. You know, a little bit two million dollars of renovation. We didn't have money. I had one member, and he was kind of a crazy guy who would talk to me. At the you know, the rest of them were my were my were, were my team. but God said, go for that building. I remember going for that building and looking at the piece of paper, you know, and it was like, you know, they handed me, I, I have it in my, I have it in my, uh, I tucked it away. It was my buddy. Actually, it was, it was uh, the, the list price actually at that point to renovate was $1.7 million. That was the buddy deal. That was the buddy deal, brother. I have the quote, You know, uh, Randy Salufo's brother-in-law came out, gave me the buddy deal. You know, it's like, hey. And it was. It was a good deal. It was a great deal. But I'm thinking to myself, I don't have money to pay for the church. I don't have the $1.7 million to renovate this thing because Hurricane Katrina had happened. And I walked down to a corner, and I said, God, are you sure? I went to the corner and prayed again. God, are you sure? Are you sure? Like, like, well, of course God's sure. But I really was saying, God, am I sure? (laughs) Did I hear from you? Did I hear from you? And then we signed on the dotted line. God gave us the things we needed. We signed on the dotted line. And in over four years, it cost over $2 million. Over four years, the Lord brought all that money in. Now, we talk about things of faith like that. But I'm going to tell you that it begins with faithfulness in every aspect of your life. It begins with faithfulness in school. It begins with faithfulness in your assignments. It begins with faithfulness showing up at church. It begins with faithfulness reading your Bible and praying. God's not going to ask you to do those things until you've learned the first things. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cable did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he's dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life. So that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. He was walking so close to God that God said, just come on up to my house one morning. For, for before he was taken, listen to this church, before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Look, this is the chapter of faith. What God is saying here, listen, what does faith look like? He gives us the textbook definition of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So there is the prescriptive, or there's the descriptive truth. Uh, the prescriptive truth—that's the prescriptive truth. You know, it's it's prescribing you guys in Bible school. Prescriptive, descriptive truth. Descriptive truth is looking at the lives of people, the example of God in their lives, and how God moved and worked in their lives. And so the the the, the prescriptive and the descriptive is right here. And he's saying, "Hey, man, Abraham—I uh, mean, Abel, Enoch—right here." And he says, "This is this is what his faith looked like. His faith." was uh, look like this, as one who pleased God. That's what faith looks like, pleasing God. Pleasing God is what? doing, Being obedient to God. Listen, you're not here to please Pastor Joe or Pastor Lauren. You're not here to please Pastor Anthony on this trip for my, for my interns. You're not here to please me. What we're, what we're all in it for is to please God. When we get to heaven, it's not going to be about who did you please, Pastor Anthony, on the trip, you know, and you know, and 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 did the things that no, 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 no. You stand before God, each one of us by ourselves. The books are open, and then we're judged for our own actions, our own things, everything written down in those books. It, the, the Bible talks about books; it's being written down. It's being written down. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's a statement, Pastor Joe. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone, say anyone. Anyone. So that means me. That means me. That means you. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. That's the first step. God's real. And that he rewards. Say rewards. Rewards. In other words, he answers your prayer. He answers your prayer. He works in your life. He moves in your life because of this. Because you earnestly seek him. Martin Luther King Jr. made this statement. Faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. Faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. And we often remind ourselves about faith in the narrative of Peter uh, stepping out of the boat to walk on water with Jesus, right? Hey, you can't walk on water without stepping out the boat. How many of you have said that? You've all said that. We know that little line. Usually, uh, we summarize it like that. You can never walk on water as long as you stay in the boat. Faith is stepping out of the boat to walk where Jesus is leading us. And the Bible is full of what God says to do and how to live and how to be. How he's leading us. And Jesus taught a great deal about faith throughout the gospels. John 11:40 Jesus said, "Did I not tell you that if you believe, say if you believe?" If you believe, if you believe you will see the glory of God. Did I not tell you? Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Over and over again, he teaches, exemplifies. He calls for and recognizes the great importance of faith. The Bible is a book of faith from cover to cover. The call to believe, the call to obey and trust in God describes the very nature of our walk with God. Those who make it to heaven are those who have demonstrated a biblical faith within their life. You know, there's going to be people that get to heaven and they think they're saved. They think they're making in. The Bible says that, right, Pastor Joe? He says, many will come and say, Lord, have I not cast out demons in your name? Have I not healed the sick in your name? And the Lord's going to say, depart from me, you that work iniquity. I never knew you. You know what they were? They were people without faith. They were people who did not demonstrate a life filled with faith. Those who make it to heaven are those who demonstrate a biblical faith within their life, and those who miss out in heaven are those who fail to demonstrate and persevere in their faith in Christ. Hebrews 4, 1 through 2, it says, Therefore, since the promise of entering in his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard did not combine it with faith. The Bible defines faith as the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In interpreting the language of this verse, one biblical scholar writes, faith is a present and continuing reality. Faith is a present and continuing reality. The word hypostasis, from, from when we get the word substance, means to have faith is to be sure of what we hope for. So basically, faith is the basis it's the substructure. It's the substance. Literally that which stands underneath of all the Christian life means. You're standing on your faith. If you're standing on Christ the solid rock, you're standing by your faith. If you are in God for anything in your life, you are in God because you have faith. And where is your faith? Your faith is not in yourself. It's not in denominations. It's not in church building. It's not in money. It's not in you know, the financial system. Your faith is in the one constant throughout eternity, the one eternal thing in all the world and universe. It's in God. Because if it's not, if it's in any other place, then it's only as strong as what you've put your faith in. If it's temporary, your faith is temporary. Faith extends beyond what we learn from our senses. Yet our faith is the evidence. It is the test or the proof. When I thought about this definition, what came to me is that faith is the point where God reciprocates in our life. You know, the thing of relationship is that all relationships, if they're real relationships, have to be reciprocal. In other words, there's never such a thing as a one-sided relationship. If it's one-sided, it's not a relationship. And with our faith with God, You know, our faith in God is part of our relationship with Him. And when we have faith in God, God reciprocates. It's the order of things that God has prescribed. When you believe God, you receive from God. Over and over. Go read it in the Gospels. If you believe. If you believe. If you believe. When we believe, if we believe... We receive. What do we receive? We receive what sa- We receive salvation. We receive healing. We receive wisdom, right? The Bible says, hey, you need wisdom? You know, listen, I pray in the Spirit when I pray every day. You know, when I pray, I don't start by praying the things that I know. I pray in the Holy Spirit every day. I speak in tongues because the Bible says in Romans 8, that, that praying in the Spirit is the help I get. You know, it says like, and we don't know how to pray as we ought to, but the Spirit, He helps us. And then it describes how He helps us. It says He knows the mind of God, and He intercedes for us in accordance with the will of God. And I read in 1 John 4 that if I ask anything according to His will, He hears me, and if He hears me, I have what I ask for. So if I'm asking for the things that the Holy Spirit wants for my life, that's the things I'm going to get. And, buddy, I want my prayers answered. I want my prayers answered, so I pray in the Spirit. Because I don't want to know what Anthony Freeman knows and got saved in 1981, started following the call of God in 1983. Even that all that time and all that experience, I still don't want to know what I know. I want to know what God knows. I want to know what the Holy Spirit knows. Hallelujah. Sister Lauren, I was, I was loving it, man, pressing into the Holy Spirit. We receive healing, wisdom, provision, direction, assurance, whatever we need. He has promised, as we apply that to Hebrews 11, we learn that it is f- faith is the trust in God that enables believers to press on steadfastly whatever the future holds for them. Faith trust, faith obeys, faith goes beyond human reason and strength into the hands of the almighty, unchanging, all-sufficient, eternal God and His Word. In this, the believer knows that he must rely upon God implicitly which means without qualification, which means absolutely. Absolutely. To trust in God. Do you trust in God? Absolutely. How does God want you to trust in God? Absolutely. Absolutely in every area of your life, with your kids, you know, with your marriage, with your job. I know people, you know, I've pastored and like, um, you know, and you have the people in the church, you know, they, they hit that brick wall of the place where they're not going to allow God into, you know. Come on. You know, we've hit those walls too. How many of you hit a wall like that before? Say, so wait, oh, God, hold on. Wait, God, I'm still in control of that one right there. I'm still in control, God. You know, uh, that person I'm supposed to marry, I'm going to, you know, I'm checking it out myself. I'm fixing it up myself. (laughs) Oh, praise the Lord. See, I'm meddling a little bit this morning. My people and your people, I'm meddling. You know? Who are we going to marry? We get all worried about that. Do you worry about God saving you? You worrying about God saving you? You worrying about God? What, what are you worried about God that he can't do in your life? Oh, pastor, uh, don't even worry about it. You don't even know, pastor. You know, pastor, you don't even know. That boy's so cute. I've been traveling with the group for a while, so we hear all kinds of things. No, pastor's not worried about it at all. You're worried about it because you're the one that keeps verbalizing it all the time. I ain't worried about a thing. I already got a wife from God. <laughs> Come on, church. Your job. How much are you going to let God into? You know, because everything else I found out, you we mess up. We mess up everything else. We mess it up, you know. Try and raise children without God. Come on, you'll mess that up. Well, you know, in the world, they say don't spank your kids. Yeah, but the book says beat them. (laughs) Stripes on the back, right? It says that. We believe that, right, Pastor Josiah? That's right. I'd spank Pastor Josiah on a Christmas day. I just... We'll have a talk afterwards, I'm sure. He's going to tell me, Pastor, why would you throw me under the bus like that? Our Christian life is a story of faith like those who have gone before us. What is important for us to understand? The activity of faith. What does faith do? How does it respond? What, is, what does biblical faith choose? This is what Hebrews 11 describes to us. The first thing that we see is faith chooses to trust in God. Verses 3 and 6 brings that out. First of all, faith chooses to trust in God. See, we are rooted, grounded, initiated into our life as a believer by faith. Verses 3 and 6. Bring that out. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. Why does the word of God tell us that? Well, it tells us that because it's truth. It's the truth. But listen, what if the world tells you that it wasn't made that way? What if the world tells you that, hey, we have all this scientific proof. You know, in my lifetime, how much science has changed in my lifetime? How many times have we seen the, the, the greatest minds of men mess things up? Come on, Come on church. And we, yet, we there's places we want to like say, God, listen, the world's telling me that we were made this way. And so then we take that and we try and put it on the word of God. And we don't understand that God said, let there be light, fiat. You know, it's, it's by existence God spoke and it was. that God created things out of nothing. Why does it say that? It says that to establish something. Man, you're put you're not putting your faith in men. You're not putting your faith in something broken. You're putting your faith in the God of the universe who spoke the worlds. They didn't exist before. Matter did not exist sometime in eternity. Matter did not exist. I don't care what the scientists tell us. It says all things were created by him. There's not one thing that was created that was not created by him. That's what the book says. That's what revelation says. I hold revelation over science all day long. Why? Because if you're going to stumble there, you're going to stumble all over your life. By faith, we understand that God created everything. Verse 6, without faith it's impossible to please God. Anyone who comes to him must believe that he z- exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. The Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. In Romans ten seventeen, at that crisis experience moment, when we get from our good brother John Wesley, at that crisis experience moment, when we hear or read the word of God, the Holy Spirit illuminates the revelation of truth to our heart and mind and there is an opening of the spiritual eyes a reaffirmation our witness to the truth of god it is the moment when the spirit testifies to our heart that god is real that he exists this knowledge of god is written upon our conscience but so that mankind is without excuse remember read romans 118 through 32 so there must be an awakening to what has been suppressed quenched abandoned if you will dead as Paul declares and the gospel of John picks up on this in John three sixteen through 19 for God so loved the world that he gave his only uh, one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him whoever believes in him is not condemned But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Now, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world. Folks, I feel like you at Metro Praise have lived this. I was watching that on that video, Pastor Joe. You guys lived that. Brother Juan, he lived that. The very people that were loving him turned on him in a moment. light has come into the world but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil there's the separation everyone who does evil hates the light they hate the gospel preaching they hate the message of the church hey listen don't believe like you can win people by just loving them loving on them your loving your best love on them is to tell them the truth speak the truth in love He says, everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. You see, by faith an individual comes to God, understanding the reality of God. But there's more that is required. Faith steps out into obedience to receive what only God can provide. Which brings our second point into focus. Faith, like Abel of old. Chooses to worship God in the way, listen to what I'm saying, in the way that God desires. Faith does it God's way. Faith does it God's way. What's separated? I mean, there's four people on the planet at that point. There's four people. There's Adam, there's Eve, there's Cain, and Abel. And at that point, we see God talking to them. So there's obvious not the same level of disconnect that there is now in our world. I mean, God was talking to these four people on the planet. He talks to Cain, right? You read that in the book, right? Right? He's talking to Cain. Cain is talking to him. What separated these two men? There's not a lot described there, but what we can infer is Abel did it God's way. That's what the book's talking about. Abel did it God's way. You see, you come to God by faith, but every day of your life has to remain in your faith in God, in your diligence in seeking God and doing what God wants, doing it his way. I'm telling you, I pastored like, and I'm just people, they want God, but, 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 but. Wait a minute, Pastor. Hold on, Pastor. You mean. I had a man argue with me. Came to my church. argue with me about paying tithes. Giving to the church, you know. He was a lawyer. Building a big house, big old house. He didn't get to sleep one night in that house. He died a week before. He died a week before. He was ready to go into that house. I remember him sitting across from me. And at first he tried to lorry up on me with the scripture like he knew it. He was a very smart man. So I brought him over to 1 Corinthians 9 and showed him that, hey, what the Bible says in the Old Testament applies in the New Testament too. Because that's what Paul says. He uses muzzle not the ox that tread out the corn. I said that's the Old Testament. Paul is using the Old Testament as a principle to teach on giving. It's an Old test. It's still the word of God. Well, how can we give all this money? I mean, the brother was a lawyer. I mean, he was living high in the hog, as they say, down south. But there wasn't enough. And I kept wondering, like, all the years. I never raised my full budget. I've just been living on whatever I had coming in. But there was always enough. There was always enough. Because I did what God asked. I worshiped God the way God wanted me to worship. And that applied to giving, giving, giving. I'm going to worship God the way he wants me to give. 10% will a man rob God. Will a man rob God? It's in the book. You're going to rob God? Say, God needs your temper. No, he don't need you. But that's how he's asking you to worship. He says, not salvation. That's what the man told me. It's not pertaining. No, it's not pertaining to salvation. The book is full of stuff not pertaining to salvation, but pertaining to our obedience. That if you disobey, you can lose your salvation. And I thought, I told him that. I'm not saying anything, all I'm saying is what happened. That man built a fine house, pouring all his money in it, and I never got to sleep one day in that house. Hebrews 11:4 4, by faith offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith he was commended as a righteous man. Our righteousness is based upon our relationship with God. Doing, right here in this context, doing what's right in the sight of God. When God spoke well of his offering, and by faith he still still speaks, even though he's dead. Faith is the key here. Abraham was declared righteous because of his faith. Abel was commended as a righteous, as righteous here as well because of his faith. Here it represents a faith that worships God god's way so many want to serve or worship god their own way i just worship the lord in my own way how many times have you heard that i just want to worship the lord in my own way oh here's another one pastor joe god understands me oh here's one you hear on the streets my faith is personal and doesn't concern anyone else well i'll tell you what it concerns god and his ways the word of God says that there's only one way and his name is Jesus. One mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ. One faith, one baptism, one Lord and Savior of all. Yes. Hebrews 11:5 by faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because he had been taken away for before he was taken he commended it one he, com- he was commended as one who pleased God. How do you please God? You do it God's way. You want to please God? You want to please anyone? You want to please anyone? You do it. You do it the way they want. How you gonna please me? Like what's what's the uh, the burger? Give it to me. My, was it? Yeah, your way, right away. There was an even older one. You know, do it do it uh, my way or something like that. I'm Frank Sinatra sang that song. I did it my way. You know. <clears throat> Hallelujah, faith. Verse number three, faith like Noah hears and obeys God even when it defies human reason. See, how do, what does faith look like? Well, faith like Noah hears and obeys God even when it defies human reason even when it doesn't make sense to anyone else go 2.7 million dollars in debt you got one person in your congregation that's stupid when it doesn't make sense but if i'm obeying god i'm going to do it listen sum was started in a room with five people two computers and a phone line with two uh, a phone with two lines on it I was there. I was sitting in that room. We didn't have no students. We didn't have no money. We didn't have no, didn't have no catalog. There was no cohorts. There was nothing. There was only a dream. There was only something from God. <clears throat> nothing. I was there. I was in that room. Word from God. You're here today because of a word from God. You're here today because someone believed and acted upon a word from God. You're here, all the cohorts, the campus in Oakland, everything. Hallelujah. This church is here from a word from God. Right? We were talking about it last night. Right? Talking about it last night. Word from God. I think, Pastor Pastor Joe, you were fishing? Where were you? I don't remember. (laughs) phone call, word from God, and now there's a Metro praise and all of you here because someone was willing to believe, someone was willing to trust, someone was willing to obey, obey, obey God. <laughs> he built an ark, Noah did, to house thousands of animals, who knows? I don't know. I just said thousands. I don't know how many, and his family in the middle of the land, and for a coming flood when there had never been any rain upon the earth. It doesn't make sense. Hebrews 11, by faith no one warned about things not yet seen. That, there's the, there's the trick here, not yet seen. Remember, faith is the hubs, substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Look, when you have it in your hand, it doesn't require faith. When you don't have it, And you have the word of God, but you trust God and you come to understand that the God who frames the the, the universe, you know, he is greater than the things you can see. By faith, he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness that comes by faith. Number four, faith like Abraham. What does faith look like? Faith like Abraham and Sarah. Trust and obey God without all the details. Come on, church. Faith like Abraham and Sarah trust and obey God without all the details. Go where? Hebrews 11:8 By faith Abraham when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. That's in the Bible. He didn't know where he was going. God didn't tell him where he was going. He just said go. <laughs> He didn't give them all the details, church. Hallelujah. By faith, number five faith is trust in the promise that God has given you, even when it doesn't happen immediately. Hebrews 11, 11 through 12. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Faith, trust in the promises that God gives you even when it doesn't happen immediately. Look, there was a lot of years I mean, we, the first, you know, I'm say we're in SUM Chapel, so I'll say this. Hey, you know, someone had brought the old school thing because you guys, yeah, you were the first cohort. Oh, this is old school. So, yeah, it's old school for you. But let me even go to ancient school because y'all were in old, if y'all were in old school, then let me go to ancient, in the beginning, Genesis school. Let me go to Genesis School when we had four students. Can you imagine a staff of five at SUM raising hundreds of thousands of dollars, buying a building, a half a million dollars, all for four students? You think we got some looks from pastors? Why'd y'all raise all that money? Why'd you need that big building? Why'd you do this? Why'd you do that? You can't exist. Y'all don't know what you're doing. They were right. They were so right. It didn't make sense in any kind of way. You know, it didn't come to us immediately. We only had four students. How many did you graduate after the first three years? Four students. (laughs) And then five came with this gangly guy from Fort Wayne, Indiana, 19-year-old. Preacher, he was full of fire. You know, he loved rebuking people. I can tell on him because he's, a, he's a quite the great man of God. But, I mean, here's the thing. I remember first time I meet him in the, in the vestibule of a thing. He's there. His dad's there. And he's like, he's like, he's, like, he's going at me like this, man. And his dad tries to talk. No, I rebuke you. And he keeps going like this. And, like, you know, so like you remember that? I remember it. <laughs> and I thought to myself, man, I looked at his dad cuz man, I thought, man, this brother's intense. Here's the thing though. How many do we how many students do we have then? 5. We might have had 10. We only graduated 5. you were in the next 5. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Even when it doesn't happen immediately. Number six, faith believes for the impossible. Hebrews 11:17 17 through 19. By faith, Abraham, when God testified to him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He, who had received the promises, was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Even Abraham's reasoning was one of faith. He says, listen, if God is asking me to do something, he's the same God that gave me this child in the first place. When he's asking me to do something, he's never failed me. He had faith in God. That's why he's the father of faith. He trusted in God, even though he didn't understand. And he knew that it was impossible to have the son in the first place. And so God was asking him to do another impossible thing. So I'll just believe, go ahead and believe for the other possible thing. Because he says, man, he already made one promise that through Isaac, you know, I'm going to have all these children, like the stars, you know, in in, in the sky, and the and the sand, and the sea. So uh, you know what? God must gonna raise him from the dead. He had already believed in an impossible thing. It wasn't that hard to believe for another impossible thing. Faith believes in the impossible. That's what living by faith is all about, folks. The impossible. What is impossible with man is possible with God. Oh, I need that water now. Thank you so much. You Thank you. Bless <clears throat> it's dry up here. Man, it's dry. <clears throat> I'm used to breathing in some water. <clears throat> Faith in God... Listen to this. Listen to these last ones. Faith in God chooses God's will, even if it costs you discomfort. We're just making it plain. We're just reading through the scriptures here. Look at this. Hebrews 11, 24, 27. By faith, Moses, when he had grown, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He had privilege. I don't know if it it wouldn't have been called white privilege. I guess it would have been called Egyptian privilege. He had Egyptian privilege. And he refused to be known as a son enjoying Egyptian privilege. He chose to be mistreated mistreated along with the people of God, rather to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of great value than than the treasures of Egypt, because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt. Not fearing the king's anger, he persevered because he saw him who is invisible. <clears throat> the key here is where Moses had his focus, which Hebrew, Hebrews addresses fully in chapter 12. <clears throat> he saw him who is invisible, he had his focus on God. He saw him who is invisible. Remember Hebrews 12? Therefore, after this whole chapter, it's, going to, it's, going to, it's, it's telling you all this because it's going, to, it's going to bring some truth. It's going to say, therefore, since we are surrounded, encompassed by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despised the shame and is set down at the right hand of God. Consider him when you endure trials and suffering. Faith focuses upon God in your life instead of the fear of the circumstances and the fear of man. The fear of man brings a snare, the Bible says. Where faith abides, fear has to leave. And where fear is tolerated, faith is diminished. Where faith abides, fear has to leave. And where fear is tolerated, faith is diminished. And as a result, our life is directed by whichever we choose to embrace, fear our faith. Fear comes from being man-centered and man-focused. And biblical faith is God-centered and God-focused. I'll end with this, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I say this to the interns all the time, right? said it last night, we were talking. Me and Canaan. But I think it's such an important scripture. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. We want God to work in our life. We want God to do things in our life, you know. Greater things, things we've never seen. We have to trust him. We have to trust him in every area of our life. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, in all your ways, in all your ways, in all your life, in every area of your life. God has to be central. You have to acknowledge him. It's the same thing as putting your focus upon God. It's the same thing as putting God, Jesus Christ, as first. It's, it's the same thing. Old Testament, New Testament. Abraham could be the father of faith. You know? Because he had his eyes fixed on God. Moses was another faithful man. He had his eyes fixed on God. He saw him. He had his eyes fixed on him. You and I, that's what we need to keep in our focus is God. In all every every area of our life, say, well, there's some small things. No, in the small things too. When we fast, isn't that what the Holy Spirit draws attention to? That's what happened to me. Happens to me all the time. You go into fasting about something, some need, some decision, something that you have planned, and when you really fast, you find yourself like Isaiah. Five chapters of woe to Israel. But when he sees God truly, he says, woe is me, I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell amongst the people of unclean lips. You know, that's how we know we're really getting in touch with God. When we realize that God, in our personal life, is not worried about everyone else. He's worried about us. He's concerned about right where you are right now what you're dealing with what's in your heart what's in your mind you know the things you're struggling with you fast man I remember going down I needed two hundred and fifty thousand dollars I needed a miracle from God and I prayed I, I got on my knees and I, I, I like you know I I thought thought about old Jacob I said I'm not getting up off my knees God till you tell me where this money's at <clears throat> five hours on my knees praying asking God praying in the spirit talking to God and at the end God didn't tell me nothing about money God said nothing to me about money but in a moment God showed me my future God showed me that was uh, oh my gosh eight years ago or something I don't remember God showed me what I'm doing right now We went to Dearborn, Michigan, and when I was there, I told my team, I said, uh, I said, this is the confirmation. It's happening. What God showed me happened, and it's happening now. I'm living it. I'm doing it. I'm walking it out. I'm walking by faith. I I, I I went away from the church, and I became a missionary again, and my wife and I are living by faith again. We don't have to do that. We're grandparents. We're grandparents. I mean, we're just new grandparents now. We got, had another little granddaughter last night about four, around 4 a.m., Jordan Jessalyn, number five. Don't have to do that. But you know what? What I have to do is I have to obey God. And I'm loving it, Pastor Joe. I'm loving it. I'm loving what I'm doing. I'm enjoying it, you know? Am I making mistakes? Yeah, man. I went right back to eating M&M's, you know. That's how I got fat in the first place, was eating M&M's and drinking Dr. Pepper. I substituted, you know, and set him free, Lord. Yeah, Pastor Joe keeps talking about my shape. He's like, whatever you're doing, brother, it's not working. (laughs) Let's talk about the shape. Brother Joe is always leveling, you know, so leveling, you know, like comparing. Maybe I don't want to do it. I love M&M's. <laughs> Be free. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Let's stand. on to the front. Come to the front. Just stand across. Stand across here. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Behold, I make you to walk on a path that has me in focus behold behold (laughs) hallelujah behold I'm calling you behold I call you behold I call you my own Behold, I call you my own. And I've set you on this path. I've set you on this path. This path of freedom. This path of life. This path of discovery. And I'm creating you a new thing. A new person. A new individual. Cast aside the old things. The old garments. Cast aside the old things. The old garments. Those grave clothes. Put them all aside. Put them all aside. Come unto me. Come unto me. Come unto me. For the Lord is your healer. For the Lord is your strength. For the Lord is your provider. For the Lord is with you wherever you go. Trust in me. Trust in me. Trust in me. Hallelujah. Trust in me. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Come on, lift him up. Lift those hands up. Begin praying in the Spirit. Geri geri mana be strong in the lord and the power of His might. Be strong in the Lord in the power of His might. Be strong in the Lord in the power of His might. Receive. 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 Come on, take it. Receive, receive in Jesus' name, "Hallelujah." "Come on be transformed by the renewing of your mind." Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Oh, we praise you, God. Renew our minds. Lord God, we don't want to think those thoughts anymore. Lord God, we want to trust in you with all our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength. We don't want to lean to our own understanding. In every way of in our life, God, we want to acknowledge you. In every area of our life, God, be the Lord of our life. Be in control. We surrender. We surrender. We surrender. We surrender, Lord God. We surrender, Lord God. We surrender, Lord God. Hallelujah. Pastor Lauren. Hallelujah.
0: Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, let's just take a few more minutes in the presence of the Lord before we close out. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence. Thank you for this word, oh God. Come on, I know that God is speaking to your hearts this morning. I know that he is cleansing your mind this morning and giving you his thoughts. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, let us be a people of faith. Oh, that take you at your word, oh God. You have proven to us again and again that you are a God that we can trust. That you will do what you will say, God, that you will do. Lord, we surrender it all. Come on, surrender your marriage to Him right now. Surrender raising your children to Him right now. Come on, He is your helper. He is your helper. He is your helper in your marriage. Come on, Jesus is with you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, the Holy Spirit is your helper in your schoolwork. The Holy Spirit is your helper in your study time. The Holy Spirit is your helper as you're seeking Jesus diligently. He is your helper to read your Bible and pray every day. He is your helper to pull you closer to him, to hear his voice, to be obedient in all things immediately. Oh, Jesus, we thank you for your presence. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah, God. Help us to stay in step with the Spirit of God in all that we do. God, from the little things to the big things, help us to stay in step with your Spirit today and every day. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Come on, would you give God some praise for his presence in this place? Thank you, Jesus.